Alright everyone, and welcome back to the American Veteran Podcast. Uh, I'm your communications manager, Miles Migliera, and today with us we have Mr. Robert Wilkins. Uh, Rob Wilkins is a retired U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant and a member of the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. He also works as a military evangelist at Sightline Media Group, uh, the leading news organization for covering military, defense, public sector, federal technology, C4 ISR, and cyber defense, and he is also the senior military editor of Muscle and Fitness. Now, Rob, I know that doesn't quite cover you know, your extensive career, um, your, your accolades. We've, we've been able to talk many, many times. Um, I've gotten to know even more about you, but our members love to learn about the veterans that we interview for good reason. Can you give us a little bit more into your time in the Air Force? Um, you know, you have an extensive military career, maybe a little bit about your overseas tours in, in Germany, the UK, and Italy? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for the opportunity, Miles. Uh, I appreciate what you and AMVETS are doing for our vets for, for many decades, and especially you because you're a hustler. You get things done at Rolling to Remember, Capitol Hill to all the uh, uh, podcasts, you know, advice that I sent to you that, you know, here's some great candidates. So first of all, thank you for all you do. Um, so I'm from Linden, New Jersey, and I come from a long family of military service. My sixth great grandfather, Peyton Milner, was a, um, uh, he was in the North Carolina militia during the American Revolutionary War. Uh, during COVID, during some family research, we found out that my third great-grandfather was a Confederate soldier, so we actually found out where he's buried. We've seen the tombstone and all, so uh, or the headstone. So our family service uh, goes back to the American Revolutionary War to the current time, where I have uh, two cousins in the Air Force and a cousin in the Army. So we like to say that military service is part of our family business, and we're just honored and you know privileged to be able to serve this great country. Um, I joined the Air Force in 1983 from Linden, New Jersey, went to uh, basic training, and from basic, my first assignment was right away overseas to our Plume Air Station, which at that time was West Germany, and it's right in the middle where the Battle of the Bulge was fought. Lots of World War II battles were there, so I got to see history. I had a great first assignment. Um, from there, I moved to uh, RF Mildenhall, worked with the SR-71, the world's fastest airplane. Uh, it was a great, great opportunity to work with uh, world-class people. Um, had a great time there in the UK, and then from there, uh, went to Italy, Sardinia. Dutch Mamano Air Base in Sardinia, Italy. Great Sardinian people, very, very friendly, but another great mission. Um, from Sardinia, Cocoa Beach, Florida. So I've had some tough assignments, I'll tell you, Miles, from uh, beach to beach. Working in, uh, working in nuclear detection at Patrick Air Force Base, uh, one of the finest assignments I've ever had, great people, and that's really where my fitness career really began because the commanders and the, and the people I served with were really into health and fitness, and they allowed me to put programs together to help them uh, with their fitness and health. So um, how long has, has health and fitness been a part of your life? Obviously, you know, as an airman, you have to be physically fit, um, as all service members do, but um, beyond just you know the mandatory push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, anything like that, uh, did it maybe start at an early age, or did it really kick off during your service? Yes. So back home again in Linden, we played sports from, from sunup to sundown. You know, we had a neighborhood of great, um, there was a great number of kids there, so 
from softball to basketball to running to hide and go seek to cowboys and Indians. That was every single day, bike riding, walking. We just did sports from the time we got up to the time we went to bed, and we couldn't wait for the next day to come because we were going to do something else again. So, you know, we also lived where there was a, you know, lots of trees and uh, uh, open space where we were able to go and play like we were uh, camping and things of that sort. So it was something that we grew up with. It was the norm to be physically active. And joining the military, um, I just continued to traditions that I had grown up with. So there never was a time in my life where I was not physically active through actually exercise or sports. That's terrific. Um, and, you know, obviously it's, it's bled heavily into your work now. Uh, let's start with the, the President's Council on Sports fitness and nutrition. Can you give us a little bit more into to what that is? Because when I, you know, when, when we had talked about it in the past, the, the first thing for some reason that came to mind was when you're in elementary school and you can receive like the presidential fitness award um, for sky, scoring really high on a, a physical fitness test during a P. And I understand that's not all that it entails at all, but can you give us a little brief on that council? Sure. So ever since I was 12 years old, I wanted to get an opportunity to serve on this council. The council was started by uh, President Dwight Eisenhower shortly after World War II because he felt like American youth had the convenience of wealth, or because of the convenience of wealth, they also became a little bit less uh, physically active. So for example, during the 30s, 40s, or even, even before that time, most people walked to school, they rode their bikes to school, they had physical labor, they helped on the farms, even in the inner cities, um, they walked most places, so they were moving. It's played sports. After World War II, the life of convenience started. So now there was cars. Uh, people moved closer to cities, so that walk wasn't as far as it had been. School buses were starting to become the norm, where people were bused to school. So um, the benefits of our country you know, moving forward was that we became less physically active. We stopped moving as much as we had in the past, which meant there was a weight creep. You know, people started gaining weight. So you had three, five, 10, 15 pounds, all those pounds add up. And when you're not as physically active, when you're not playing as many sports as you had in the past, you know, your health can be compromised. So the president wanted to bring attention to that. And following him, President Kennedy wanted to live the life of vigor. He really wanted America to be playing on the field, not be spectators watching games. He wanted us to participate in games. So he really, really was a, a proponent of physical activity and fitness. And um, he made sure that there was cabinet level people sitting at the table with him often who were involved with the president's council. That's how important it was to him. So fast forward to now, um, I am still serving under President Biden. And uh, July 4th, we had the chance to spend um, at the White House with President and Mrs. Biden and President grabs him by the shoulder says, I'm counting on you to help get our country in shape and keep moving. He says, I'm serious. So when the President of the United States gives you a, a challenge like that in front of your family and friends, you find ways to um, you find ways to do things to help promote activity, sports, and fitness in this country on behalf of the President of the United States. What an honor. Um, how many presidents have you served under on this council? So I was appointed under President Trump, and now I'm serving under President Biden. So two, again, from my guy from Linden, New Jersey, a small town, it's 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 amazing honor that you get a chance to serve our country not only in the military but as a member of the President's Council. So I uh, 
up and say only in America great things like this can happen. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, that's some terrific foreshadowing from uh, President Eisenhower because, uh, you know, just in an article from the National Library of Medicine, um, the prevalence of overweight uh, poses a threat to national security, whereas 27% of young adults between 17 and 24, uh, about 9 million potential uh, service members, are unable to serve in the armed forces due to uh, excessive weight. And, and this is a you know, an unfortunate trend that we've seen happen throughout the American public uh, over the last couple of decades. Yes, it is. So say if there's about 31.5 million young men and women between 17 and 24 who can serve, out of that number, it's about 23% who qualify to serve. And out of that 23%, only about 2% want to serve. So what we're really facing is a, a challenge from uh, companies like Google and Microsoft and Amazon and you know, um, amazing universities like Princeton and Harvard who are looking for the best of the best too because only the best Americans can serve our nation's, you know, say where our nation's caught. Uh, from time to time, people have said, you know, if my kid gets in trouble or something, I'm going to send him to the military. And my words of caution are, you're not because they won't qualify. You know, America is served by the best people there are. Educated, smart, um, uh, very able to make quick decisions and show leadership skills and we don't have time for problems because the, the purpose of our military is to defend our nation so we're basically warrior athletes and we don't have time for discipline discipline problems so if there is a young person who might need some corrections on their um, behaviors i think we can do that but when you're trying to send someone who has continued uh even a police record they won't survive in the military and our our country doesn't need that type of person uh, maybe in the beginning, maybe they can do better. They can um, uh, come around to serve our country, but we're looking for men and women ready to go right from the time they uh, graduate basic training. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we talk about the requirements and the you know strict restrictions that our, our military has, especially during a time of peace. If you're looking back in perhaps 2001, 2002, um, when you needed an influx of, of service members, you know, those restrictions might have been a little loosened, but now we're in a time of peace, and I say peace with quotation marks on either side because we still have service members deployed everywhere, but um, they're, you know, it, it's like you said, physically fit, mentally well, um, it, in a time of increased obesity and, and those tighter uh, ropes that are kind of put on those restrictions, um, you're, you're seeing a lot less and less, which is unfortunate. Right. Well, also, besides the health issue, it's the imagery. Mm -hmm. When you see a Marine or an Army or an Airman or Space Guard uh, Guardian in their uniform and they're right, it, it's just perfectly, you think that is the image that our country is proud to display. It's also an image for our, our adversaries to, you know, before you mess with us, look what's coming your way. These are the best trained, the best equipped, the most capable fighting force on the world and on the globe. So um, that imagery is very, very important, and we want to make sure that we portray that image all across the world, and also to our youth who are looking at role models, and maybe the military might be something they're considering. So when you see that woman or man who just looks amazing in their uniform, you're like, how can I be a part of America's greatest team? And that's armed forces. I want to jump back into uh, you know, unwillingness and inability to serve, but uh, let's talk a little bit about what this month is. This yes. is a huge veteran and military month, so much so that 
you know, this is National Veterans and Military Families Month. It's also National Military Fitness and Wellness Month. Now, a lot of our nation considers our servicemen and women to uh, be our healthiest demographic. I think that's a, you know, that's definitely a greatly argued point. So why is it necessary to have a month focused uh, on their physical wellness? That's a great question. So, you know, you often think that those who serve our country are the healthiest, but that's when they join the service. So we probably have the healthiest demographic when they begin their careers, but by the end of their careers, after multiple deployments, after, you know, often men and women who serve, they have injuries, they have illnesses, things that happen because of their service, but they hide it or they don't share it because they want to keep serving, they want to keep deploying, they want to keep being with the men and women who they serve with. But sometimes those ailments or those injuries catch up with them as they are about to hit retirement. So on the average, when a man or woman uh, leaves the military service active duty, that first year out, they gain between 25 and 30 pounds. Now, there are many reasons for that. Is it because they no longer have to work out? Is it because they don't have that support they had before? Is it because it's not mandatory? Or is it because they burned out? They, they're tired of you know, the, the kind of um, stringent routines that they might have done for four years, two years, or 20 plus years. So what we have to find is a way to keep people thinking about quality of life as they age. What you do now in your 30s, 40s, and 50s dictate how you will be in your 60s, 70s, and 80s. So we're trying to find ways to encourage people to eat better, to be more physically fit, to take care of their mental, spiritual, and financial health. So there's a a, a segment of medicine called lifestyle medicine, which encapsulates all those things. And we're trying to find ways to... uh, inspire encourage and motivate and uh educate our our veterans that there are ways to um enhance your life to keep your wellness your health and the family's health better longer and keep you uh, active to the end of your days so that's our goal right now so let's jump over then to um to veterans you know and specifically how uh organizations like amvets can can help our veterans like you said um, uh, you see on average 25 to 30 pound uh, weight gain for a lot of our service members at, within one year of leaving the service. Um, AMVETS is an organization that likes to look at holistic uh, wellness, your mental, physical, are you, are you employed? Um, all of these things fit into your overall holistic health. So um, we oftentimes try to get our post activated in doing things like hikes, uh, walks, runs, um, some posts like to adapt to those uh, activities more than others, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a general push that we give to all organizations. Um, but we have resources like the, the President's Council. Uh, so what are some ways that you suggest that veterans organizations can go about, um, you know, just helping curb this epidemic? And is there anything that the Council's working on right now to kind of include organizations in on yes more great questions miles so first of all salute and hats off to ambets because uh last year your uh, past national commander greg hune and joe Cinelli and i and others on the ambets uh team we came up with an idea about a walk a, a walk run during rolling to remember and uh it was a big success it was one of the first uh, veteran service organizations to really take it by the horns and say, we're going to do something. 
and that something was encouraging the members prior to rolling to remember to get out and move. Now you could walk, you could run, you could walk and run, you could stroll, you could do whatever you want, but the goal was to get people moving. And I heard from that walk run that many people, besides the exercise, they started meeting people to the left and to the right of them that they didn't know before, and now they created new relationships and friendships. And what we all have in common is our service, but we all come from a diverse and um, uh, diverse backgrounds that you know when you hear and share stories about what we've done in the past, about our service, about our families, about our life. It's very, very interesting. But to do that while you're walking, so you're getting great stories and you're getting a chance to exercise, so that's a win-win. Um, what I think other veteran service organizations can do and are doing is they are also incorporating fitness into their uh, programs. So be it unit or uh, chapter one runs and walks, uh, they might say during a certain month, like now, National Military Fitness and Wellness Month. Make sure that you're 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 exercising, but bring a friend with you. You know, have someone join you because one becomes two, and two becomes four, and four becomes eight. And the more people that we can get moving, the more uh, the, the better our nation will be overall. Because a healthy nation is a powerful nation, is an economically strong nation. So we need to lower our health care costs. We need to increase our life expectancy because of COVID. We've lost about two years, especially for black and brown people. The average was about 77, the average lifespan. Now it's down to about 75. And it's because, you know, the ravaging effects of COVID, over a million people uh, died. And um, unfortunately, a lot of those folks who passed away had pre-comorbidities, uh, pre be it hypertension, high blood pressure, diabetes 2, type 2 diabetes. Um, so we're trying to curtail those numbers and bring awareness education and um i guess some part is the desire you are, you have to kind of want to do it we can give you all the information possible but you also have to do it and we want to also make sure that physical fitness and exercise is not a punishment when i joined the military you do our basic training uh push-ups were a punishment if you did something if you were late you spoke out of turn give me 30 give me 50 well we're trying to take away that stigma it's not about punishment it's about life extension quality of life so moving um, well, we call it movement is medicine. The more you move, uh, the better off you'll be. You made up a, or you brought up a great point about uh, people meeting each other on that run, uh, walk, uh, talking to each other, smiling, sharing stories. Um, you know, it, it's not only medicine for yourself; it can be medicine for others who are maybe going through uh, mental issues. You know, as as we know, physical activity helps uh, bump up the production of endorphins. Uh, so like you said, bring someone with you. Um, or if you don't bring someone with you, you might just meet someone, um, a, a fellow veteran who you can conduct buddy checks with um, and you know really work on your physical as well as have it play into your mental health as well. Because as we all know, your, your physical health helps play into that. They're, they're parallel. And um, this is a national issue. This is so important. I would say, me personally, I would say it's one of the top five issues that our country faces because while it's good to have a strong economy and we have to have a strong military and you know we're so thankful for those uh first responders who serve our great nation we have to be healthy all those other things um are minimized if we don't have healthy citizens who are able to enjoy uh the great benefits of living in america um when i was in the air force i was a congressional liaison and i got to travel to like 40 plus countries with members of congress and one of the most impactful um, statements came from Senator Trent Lott. I mean, he had said to me once that 
when you're born in America, you've already hit the lottery. Like anything is possible. And I think that's true, but you know, being healthy really makes those things possible. You know, you can work harder, you're more productive when you feel fit, when you feel good about yourself. And uh, there's a German saying that says the person with their health has a thousand wishes. The person without their health has but one. Right. And, you know, they say a lot about a lot of people that win the lottery, they go bankrupt uh, a lot of them very quickly. So you have to spend that money wisely, invest that money wisely so you can be, you know, born here, but you have to work on these, uh, you know, these little factors that are going to help you live your longest, healthiest, happiest life. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Longest, happiest life is really, really important. And, and often uh, I share stories with when you meet people who look older, one of the first questions is say, how are you? How do you feel? You know, they understand the importance of being physically fit, being and, and living a good, clean life. Um, you know, Mickey Mantle, the famous Yankee baseball player, I'm a big Yankee fan, he said, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that message needs to be out more, that more people have to understand that what they do now, you know, eating hamburgers and pizza and cheesecake, my favorite, uh, are all things that you can do, but do it in moderation. And you can't live your sustain your diet that way. So think about having more fruits and vegetables. And one thing that there is now, there's so much information out there. And if you're not sure where to start, maybe start at health.gov, which is you know um, Health and Human Services website. They have meal plans, they have exercise plans, they have all these other things. Or CDC.gov, you know the Centers for Disease Control. They also have tons of information, and that can give you the baseline to start. Now, once you find your own. Um, program or things that you like to do because that's the importance do what you like to do as a as an exercise program um then you can venture off but they can give you a great support and great guidance from the beginning that's terrific that was going to be my next question is where can people find a couple more resources and we'll have uh those links in the description of this podcast as well does the president's council have a site or a page on a site um that people can visit if you go to health.gov, health.gov, you can uh, click on one of the icons, and that's the President's Council logo. So, yeah, join us. Come over there. And earlier, you asked a question about um, are there ways that the veteran service organizations and the President's Council can partner? We are working. We are currently working on that now. So our uh, executive acting director, Rachel Fisher, she's hard at work um, trying to find ways through our attorneys that uh, allow us to partner with organizations. So right now we're, it's easy for us to partner with children's uh, organizations, but we want to work with schools and we want to work with BSOs and we want to work with industry because the more people that we can get on this train for uh, fitness, this, this fitness train, again, the better off our country will be, our healthcare costs will go down and we'll just be more productive. So we're working on those issues and once we get it all worked out, I'll be sure to give you a buzz so that you can post that link and that information on your AmpEd's websites. That would be terrific. Um... I had uh, a couple more questions for you. I don't want to take up all of your time, but uh, what kind of resources can people find um, at Muscle and Fitness? Um, obviously, you're the, the senior military editor. Um, is there, can, can veterans and service members find some like-minded or relevant uh, content within Muscle and Fitness? Yes, uh, thank you for that question. So Muscle Fitness has been around since, um, it was at that time Muscle Builder, about 1936. So for about 80 years, it's been the most iconic brand, fitness and health related. Um, on Muscle Fitness, you can find thousands of workout programs. So 
Yes, you can go there and find, if you're looking for chest, back, arms, legs, you can find routines that you can like, and you can mix and match. Um, also, Muscle and Fitness, uh, I'm uh, very happy that they've given me an opportunity to reach out to our service members through a column called Fit to Serve. So, uh, in the early 2000s, I wrote for Muscle and Fitness and Flex Magazine, and uh, their new president, Dan Sullivan, it's given me a column called Fit to Serve where we reach out and we tell the stories of uh, those who serve our country through the military or first responders, firefighters, and we talk to them and ask them questions related to how important is fitness, how does fitness help your life, how does fitness help you accomplish your mission, and you really get some great stories. And they really tell you that, you know, for many people, they've had some hardships and some tough times in their life. And the thing that got them through that tough times was being physically fit and having uh, a gym or a walking path or something to get them physically moving so that they, in some cases, work out their issues while they're exercising. Because when you're moving, that blood flow goes to your brain and now you're starting to get these new synapses activated and you think, I couldn't find that issue or I couldn't find an answer to that problem. Somehow, while you're in the gym, sometimes the answers come or the beginning of the answer at least. So yes, Muscle Fitness will have lots of uh, resources for you and we're gonna continue developing them. Right now, we're, we're interviewing folks who have served or. We're about to interview the folks who run the H2F program, which is the Army Physical Fitness Program. We just interviewed uh, Dr. Reagan Stegman, who runs as part of the um, lifestyle medicine uh, seg- um, component there for the Air Force. And we're going to be working with the Navy and Marine Corps. And uh, we're going to do all we can to promote fitness through the military and to let them know that they have a friend in fitness. That's um, that's terrific. Fit to serve, it seems like a no-brainer because... That military demographic, you know, we talked about how um, when service members get in, they're physically fit, and sometimes that, that can kind of be derailed, but you can also see a lot of the opposite as well. You, you see a lot of uh, former uh, service members like Chef Andre Rush, um, Chef Robert Irvine. Uh, I joked with, uh, with uh, Chef Rush when we got to interview him that all the, the photos that I tried to find of him for a graphic was, were in a landscape, horizontal mode. There were none vertical because they didn't fit you know, his arms and, and, and his shoulders in the entire photo. Um, right. So that's... I'll be speaking to him shortly. Actually, I'll be speaking to both of them because they're both friends that we're going to be interviewing. Uh, we interviewed uh, Chef Rush recently, and I, I, I uh, with a term of affection, I call him Tiny. And then with uh, Chef Robert Irvine, um, I'm not sure if there's been anyone who's given back to the American fighting force more than he has in the past uh, decade or so. He continues to find ways to give back, continues to find ways to uh, promote our, our military men and women, and uh, he's just an awesome, awesome person. And uh, that's what we need. We need people who have served, who can serve as role models and inspire our, our current troops, also but our veterans too. There are great veterans who are doing amazing things through physical fitness, but we just need to help tell their stories. So that's one of the things that we are working on um, at Muscle and Fitness. And also I like to mention Military Times because they also, sometimes they do the hard hitting work. They talk about what is happening in our force. How do we get our force fit? And sometimes those are pleasant stories, but they have to be told. So I think, you know, hats off to them, too, for doing the work they do to make sure that we, we scrutinize programs that, um, that come up to our fighting force. How is this HF program working? What are the holes in it? What are the uh, good parts about it? And that's part of their mission. And, you know, we know that this is tough work because if it was tough, if it wasn't tough, it wouldn't be 
on their desk. Somebody else would have uh, solved that issue before. So to all those men and women who are trainers and nutritionists and uh, exercise physiologists working these issues for our uh, warrior athletes, we appreciate you. Thank you very much. And uh, anything we can do to support you, we're here to do it. Um, is there anything before we go that we, we didn't touch on or maybe we should um, touch on more? I think, well, first again, thank you for the opportunity. And we appreciate that any way we can highlight the importance of movement, exercise, physical activity. Um, and that's is, you know, a part of that solution. So we thank you for what you're doing. Uh, we just want to encourage our members from those who are 18 to those who are 80. You can do something. While you might not have access to a gym, uh, I have a friend, Dr. Dan Bornstein, he says we can do um, exercise snacks. And exercise snacks are doing a commercial, maybe you drop down and give, you know, do 10, 15, 20 push-ups. Maybe you walk in place at a, you know, with your knees high up. Maybe do jumping jacks, but just do something to keep your body moving. The average would be about 150 minutes a week. That's what, you know, really makes some significant progress by doing that, but up to 300 minutes a week. That's not too much to ask to have a healthy, you know, a productive life. And um, you'll also be a role model for your friends and your family. When they see you getting in shape and doing these type of things, they're going to be like, can you give me some advice? Can you help me uh, work on my exercise program? And that's another way you serve our great nation, by being a, a force of good related to fitness and health. So for all those who are already doing those things, thank you. Please keep it up. And again, Miles, thanks for what you're doing and getting this message out. Yeah, terrifically put. Uh, thank you for carving out some time to speak with us today, Rob. I'm an Anvets for Life member, so I also want to throw that in there. So thank you guys for supporting me as well.